This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wal udwan illa ala al-zalimin wal aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barak ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Welcome to episode 99, alhamdulillah, of the first. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to dwell with these beautiful companions that set the stage for what we are able to benefit from until today. Allahumma ameen. Uh, as I mentioned to you, next week we will start, inshallah ta'ala, with Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, her seerah. Uh, so that will take at least uh, two or three uh, halaqahs, inshallah ta'ala. And we've been covering the Ansar up until now. And tonight, inshallah ta'ala, will give you the most holistic look that you'll probably get especially as it pertains to the initial entrance of the Prophet ﷺ into Masjid Quba, into the area of Quba. And so SubhanAllah, this is going to be a, a connecting the dots halaqa for you. And what I hope inshallah you'll take away from it is not just a love for the three companions that we will focus on today, but actually an appreciation for the Prophet's leadership style. How did the Prophet manage to unite so many different tribes, so many different classes of people, despite the fact that they were trying to kill each other before Islam. And the Prophet manages somehow to get them to see past their differences with one another, and also see past their differences with an entirely strange group of people coming from Mecca to Al-Madinah. And so to appreciate the brilliance of the Prophet and uniting tribes, you can imagine that the Prophet has to you know, play this balancing act with all of the tribes as he's entering into Medina. And the Messenger وسلم, who's this super intentional person, the most intentional person to ever walk the face of the earth, right? Everything about the Prophet وسلم, is niyyah, it's intentionality, the way he looks, the way he talks to someone, the way he eats, everything. And we saw it especially in the story of Jabir anhu. It's like the Prophet وسلم, chooses the perfect words for each tribe and the perfect approach towards each tribe to bring them all together. And so I want you to think about the Prophet coming to Al-Madinah. Now obviously, there are two main tribes. The two main tribes of the Ansar are who? You should memorize these so well now. Aus and Khazraj. And as we said, Aus and Khazraj, the two main tribes, have all of these sub-tribes. And the Prophet is navigating between these sub-tribes as the complete stranger to them والسلام, that's now being embraced by them. So we talked about Jabir عنه, and his tribe, which is the tribe of Banu Salima. The tribe of Banu Salima. Jabir عنه, is from that tribe. Who else is from that tribe? This is like bonus points for real. We've talked a lot about some of the people of Banu Salima one of the best of the companions that we just covered. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu is from Banu Salima. Uh, Amr ibn al-Jamuh is from Banu Salima. A lot of the great companions that we just covered, a bulk of them actually came from Banu Salima. And we said last week that this group of people resided around what area? There's a particular masjid now in Medina that they, that they all resided in and they tried to buy the area next to the masjid of the Prophet and the Prophet said, Diyarukum tuktab atharukum. Stay in your homes, your footsteps will be recorded. Which masjid was that? I'm about to put up a map, by the way, but I want you at least, inshallah, if you can remember this next time you go to Umrah, you'll be like, this one, this one, this one. 
So there was a masjid that we said last week, all of the family of Jabir, عنه, they wanted to sell all of their property and come to Masjid Nabawi. Anyone know which masjid it was? Not Quba. It starts with a Q. Qiblatayn. Masjid al-Qiblatayn. The current area of Masjid al-Qiblatayn is where Banu Salima used to reside. Now keep in mind here, the landscape of Medina was basically every tribe had its area and they were all at war with each other. So it was, the land reflected the tribalism. The land reflected the tribalism in Medina. That wasn't the case in Mecca. The land reflected the tribalism specifically in Yathrib, which would become Medina. So you have all of the family of Banu Salima in Masjid al-Qiblatayn, the current area of Masjid al-Qiblatayn. And then you have one single tribe that occupies or whose settlement is basically where Masjid Quba is. And this is the tribe of Banu Amr, Banu Amr ibn Auf. Banu Amr ibn Auf. Banu Amr ibn Auf. So this is the tribe that occupied Quba. All of the people we will talk about today are from this tribe, the sub-tribe of Banu Amr ibn Auf. Banu Salima, who reside around Qiblatayn, they are from Khazraj. Banu Amr ibn Auf are from Al-Aws, the larger tribe, the, the, the parent tribe of Al-Aws. So they both belong to the two main warring tribes. And then you have Banu Najjar, who are the maternal relatives of the Prophet And the Prophet said, Khayru Dur al-Ansar, Banu Najjar. The best homes in Medina are the homes of Banu Najjar. When the Prophet wanted to move from place to place, he would always call for his maternal relatives to move with him. Okay? So he got this huge area, Masjid Qiblatayn, which is on the other side of Medina, by the way, Banu Salima. Then you have this huge area of Quba, Banu Amr ibn Auf. And then you have the Prophet having to navigate with his own relatives, even though they're his great relatives from the maternal side, Banu Najjar. And he will not move from point A to point B without calling them to move with him, his, his, his maternal uncles and things of that sort. And then you have, and I'll give you one more tribe and then I'll put up the map inshallah ta'ala. You have Banu Salim ibn Auf. Banu Salim ibn Auf. So the tribe of Quba is Banu Amr ibn Auf and Banu Salim ibn Auf, they are the cousins of Banu Amr ibn Auf. Okay? Now, if you could put the map up, inshallah ta'ala, I want you to kind of visualize this for a moment, inshallah ta'ala, with Medina. So you'll notice in red, you have Masjid al-Nabawi, the Masjid of the Prophet And you can see, visually, where Masjid Qiblatayn is, where Masjid Quba is, and then this Masjid called Masjid al-Jumu'ah. Masjid al-Jumu'ah. All right? Now, I want you to think about the, the beauty of the Prophet Masjid Qiblatayn, the Prophet ﷺ took care of, as we said, all of those people, the Jabirs of the world and the, Am, uh, the Amr ibn al-Jamuh and the Mus, uh, Mu'ad ibn al-Jabir, some of the great companions that resided around Masjid Qiblatayn. And the Prophet ﷺ told them, stay there. Look how far away it is from Masjid Nabawi. It's about an hour walk. They would walk to the Masjid every day. He said, diyarukum tuktabu atharukum. Stay there. Your steps will be recorded. Okay? So they get the reward of walking to the masjid every single day, all right? And that's why some of them did not come to Masjid Nabawi frequently. So remember the Prophet would send Mu'ad ibn Jabal to pray Isha with his people a second time? Like he'd pray Isha in Masjid Nabawi, then he'd go pray with them, because look at the distance. 
right? Look at the distance between the two. So he caters to them, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then Masjid Quba, Banu Amr ibn Awf. Now what's the story of Masjid al-Jumu'ah, just briefly, who are from the cousins of Amr ibn Awf, Banu Salim ibn Awf. Banu Salim complained to the Prophet ﷺ. They said, you came to, this, to, to Yathrib, you came to Medina. You stayed in Quba for two weeks, and we didn't get any share of you like our cousins. So what did the Prophet ﷺ do? SubhanAllah, it's beautiful. He, he intentionally stopped and prayed Jumu'ah between Quba and Masjid Nabawi. The first Jumu'ah is held there with the Prophet ﷺ in what is called Masjid al-Jumu'ah. So that he could honor this tribe. And so everyone came to their qarya, their area, to pray Jumu'ah there. It was over a hundred of the companions that prayed Jumu'ah with the Prophet ﷺ there, and it became Masjid al-Jumu'ah. So he's navigating ﷺ, as we said, Masjid al-Qiblatayn, which, which is the area of uh, Banu Salima, and then Masjid Quba, which is Banu Amr ibn Awf, and then the cousins of Banu Amr ibn Awf, which are Banu Salim ibn Awf, he prays Jumu'ah with them, and then the Prophet ﷺ goes to Masjid Nabawi, and he builds eventually his masjid in the property of his maternal uncles, Banu Najjar. Sounds exhausting, right? But that's the Prophet ﷺ. He knows he has to navigate these realities and give every single tribe its special place. So you'll find entire chapters in the books of Hadith where the Prophet ﷺ is praising each tribe for something beautiful he notices about them. The Messenger والسلام, is praising the different tribes for everything beautiful that he says uh, or that he sees about them. Now, the people of Quba, Masjid al Quba, are all from which tribe? I want to hear it back from someone that's actually taking notes or got it. Banu Amr ibn Awf. So, everyone we're going to talk about now is from this tribe known as Banu Amr ibn Awf. Masjid Quba is uh, one of the most underrated masjids in Islam. Because Allah praises the masjid and He praises the people. And there's an important point here to note. Allah praises the masjid itself and Allah praises the people themselves. For one, the Prophet ﷺ said, Salatun fi masjidi quba ka umrah. To pray in Masjid Quba is like performing Umrah. In another hadith, the Prophet said, Whoever makes wudu and then makes their way to Quba and prays two rak'ahs, Allah will write for them a full Umrah, complete, complete, complete. So they're in Medina, they can't go to Mecca now, but they can go to Quba. And he would go, alayhi salatu wasalam, walking on Saturdays to Masjid Quba even after Masjid Nabawi was built, and he would pray two rak'ahs there, alayhi salatu wassalam, and he praised that masjid and said, it is like Umrah. I'm going to give you another narration, by the way. It's a sahih narration from Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, radiallahu anhu. Sa'ad radiallahu anhu said, لَأَنْ أُصَلِّيَ فِي مَسْجِدِ قُبَاءٍ رَكْعَتَيْنِ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ أَنْ آتِيَ بَيْتَ الْمَقْدِسِ مَرَّتَيْنِ Sa'ad radiallahu anhu said, in authentic hadith, to Sa'ad. He said, for me to pray two rak'ahs in Masjid Quba is more beloved to me than going to Masjid Al-Aqsa twice. If they knew the virtue of Quba, they would rush. They'd constantly go with their animals and they'd constantly go and visit Masjid Quba and pray their two rak'ahs. So 
This is Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas saying that I love this masjid so much, the virtue of praying in this masjid is more beloved to me than praying even in Masjid al-Aqsa. And we know Masjid al-Aqsa. I know all the Palestinians are about to get mad at me. I'm Palestinian too, don't get mad at me. We love Masjid al-Aqsa. Masjid al-Aqsa has its virtue. This is in praise of Quba, not, not diminishing al-Aqsa. May Allah liberate it. But he said, for me to pray two raka'ahs there is like visiting al-Aqsa twice. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas ta'ala He said, if people knew the good of Quba, they would always go there. They would keep themselves busy in going to Masjid Quba. Imagine the performance of Umrah when you go and you visit there and you pray two rak'ahs, and on top of that, this amazing narration from Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now, what makes it so special? لا مسجد أسس على تقوى من أول يوم أحق أن تقوم فيه فيه رجال يحبون أن يتطهروا والله يحب المطهرين. Allah subhanahu wa taala says, verily, a masjid whose foundation was laid from the first day on piety. This is in Surah At-Tawbah, on taqwa is more worthy that you stand in that masjid to pray. In it are men who love to purify themselves. And Allah loves those who purify themselves. So Allah praised the masjid and He praised the people. And there's a beautiful uh, you know, uh, reflection from Imam bin Ashur rahimahullah. He said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this is a worthy masjid to pray in because we are not a people who forget our athar. We don't forget our legacies. Meaning what? Mecca, the Kaaba, we are honoring Ibrahim every time we go and we pray there. We're honoring Ismail We're honoring the prophets that came before to that place. Every time we go to Masjid al-Nabawi, we are honoring the sight of the Prophet on the Muslims as he saw them praying and was so pleased to see them praying. And when we go to Quba, we're honoring that initial simplicity of Islam where all of the people in Quba were righteous people. There were no munafiqeen in Quba. There were no hypocrites there. This was the purest people that came out to receive the Prophet ﷺ, meeting the purest people that fled with the Prophet ﷺ from Mecca. The best of the Ansar, the best of the Muhajireen for two weeks. The way that I'd, I'd put it to you is imagine a camp with the best of the Muhajireen and the best of the Ansar and the Prophet ﷺ camping out with you. This is the scene of Quba. They literally were like camping out for two weeks together the best of the muhajireen, the best of those who fled Mecca, and the best of those who came from Medina to receive the Prophet So we're going to discuss three people here from these people that are praised in the Qur'an of a masjid that is praised in the Qur'an. And the title only says two names because the third name is so unknown to people that I didn't even bother putting his name in the title, but we're going to talk about him inshaAllah ta'ala as well. So three people. Number one, a man by the name of Kulthum ibn al-Hadim. Kulthum ibn al-Hadim, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Number two, and this is the one that very few people have heard of, Uwain, Uwain ibn Sa'idah. Uwain ibn Sa'idah. Uwain, have you ever met anyone named Uwain? Let's change that inshallah ta'ala. Uwain ibn Sa'idah. Number three, another Sa'ad, Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. There were a lot of Sa'ads in Medina. Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. So Kulthum ibn al-Hadim, Uwain ibn Sa'idah, and Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. These are the main people you need to know in the story of Quba. From the same tribe of Banu Amr ibn Awf that will serve as the hosts of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And each one of them has a very unique role to play. 
The first one is Kulthum ibn al-Hadam. Kulthum ibn al-Hadam, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he was the chief of this tribe. And he was a very elderly man. And subhanAllah, he was described by his humility. And this is very important that when he heard of Islam, and he heard of the Prophet sallallahu coming, he immediately believed, and he immediately said, let's allocate all of what we have to the Prophet sallallahu arrival. So obviously the people in Mecca that gave the hardest time were the tribal chiefs. This is the tribal chief of this area, Kulthum ibn al-Hadim, an old man, elderly man, wise, humble. He says, Amanna, we believe in the Prophet and we will allocate whatever he wants for him, Let him come to Medina, and if you remember the map, Quba is on the outskirts, right? It's not actually part of Medina, it's kind of on the outskirts. Let him come, we will receive him, and we will honor him, So Kulthum ibn al-Hadim, is the one who extends the invitation to the Prophet to come to Quba in specific. Come to the tribe of Banu Amr ibn Auf, and we will take care of you, O Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet comes to Quba on the 12th of Rabi' al Awwal, Monday, the 12th of Rabi' al Awwal, which also happens to be the day that he was born. And he stays in the home of, of Kulthum ibn al Hadim for the first week. The first week. And Kulthum al Hadim, because he is an elderly person and he's the host, the Prophet basically makes him his brother. You know how when we're talking about people that are assigning Mu'akha, the Ansar and the Muhajireen, the people of the, Ansar, the Medina becoming brothers, paired off as brothers with the people of Mecca? This is basically going to be the equivalent of a brother to the Prophet. So the Prophet will stay in his home. Specifically during the nights. Specifically during the nights. And when he's holding conversations with some of the tribal elders and the chiefs. Those who were with the Prophet ﷺ were the likes of Abu Ubaidah عنه, and Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas. So the elders, Abu Bakr and Umar as well. May Allah be pleased with them all. They're staying with the Prophet ﷺ around the area of Kulthum al Hadim. If you could pull up the garden for me, inshaAllah ta'ala. So this is actually, the, it's still preserved, the place of the Prophet ﷺ staying in the gardens right next to Mazil Quba, the resting place, the place that shaded uh, the Prophet ﷺ, where he would receive the elder delegations. And the house of Kulthum al-Hadim is right next to it. So this is sort of the courtyard, if you will, of Kulthum al-Hadim, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So what the Prophet ﷺ does is really beautiful. He stays with him at night and he meets with all of the elders and the tribal chiefs. And then during the day, the Prophet ﷺ assigns another home, which is the house of Sa'd ibn Khaythama, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And that was called Bayt al-Uzzab, the home of the singles. All the young single folks stayed in the house of Sa'd ibn Khaythama. Oh, I said this is like a campsite, subhanAllah, it's beautiful. So the Prophet ﷺ, during the day, he goes to the house of Sa'ad ibn Khaythama, Bayt al-Uzab, the house of the, the singles. He spends the day with the youth. He comes back and he spends the evening with the elders, alayhi salatu wassalam. So he's honoring the different tribes and he's even honoring the different age groups as well, alayhi salatu wassalam. Distributing his time equally between the house of Kulthum al-Hadim and the house of Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. Now they started to build the masjid 
during this time in Quba. And this is where the Ansar got to see the Prophet coming forth and he himself laying the stones for Masjid Quba. And they were shocked to see this leader والسلام, who they had been waiting for months standing, in, you know, standing up in, in, in the hot, under the hot sun, climbing the trees, looking for the Prophet every day. And here he is والسلام, he's participating in the building of Masjid Quba. He's participating in the laying of the foundations. He's participating in the preparation of every single step. The food, the Prophet is preparing the food alongside them. So Rasulullah is an active leader when he gets there. He doesn't get there and say, all right, I just finished Hijrah. It was exhausting. Someone tried to kill me uh, twice. We hung out, you know, we were in Ghar Thawr and then I got caught. No, no. Prophet is immediately active, participating, learning the landscape, who's who, communicating with people with that brilliant intelligence that he had وسلم, to recognize how he would speak to each different class of people. So this home of Kulthum al-Hadam was known as the home of deliberation, the home where they would discuss the very important matters and make plans for how they were going to complete their way to Al-Madinah. SubhanAllah, and this is from the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's, it's one of those things that you can only think of the benefits and reflections. Kurthum al-Hadim dies almost instantly. Anhu. So he lived to embrace the Prophet He lived to be the Prophet host. And then he died. Also, if you remember the first and... and you all get shy to answer. I know someone will know the answer, inshallah ta'ala. The first person to embrace Islam from Medina. The first person to go out to Mecca and to embrace Islam from Medina. Who was it? It's not Sa'ad. As'ad ibn Zurara. As'ad radiallahu anhu died right away as well. So As'ad was the first one to do Jum'ah before the Prophet even got to Medina. Kurthum was the first one to host the Prophet both of them, subhanAllah, died shortly after the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ to the point that the first two men that were buried in the Baqir are these two men. Okay? So, some of the scholars say As'ad died before Kurthum. Some of them say Kurthum died before As'ad. But the first two Ansar to be buried in that blessed land in Al-Baqir are the first two to receive the Prophet in different ways. As'ad going out and believing in the Prophet and then coming back to Medina and setting the stage, Kulthum hosting the Prophet in Al Medina. And he dies almost immediately. Uh, now, Kulthum al Hadim had one daughter named Umayra, and Umayra was married to uh, Utbah the son of Uwaym ibn Sa'ida. Utbah, the son of Uwaym ibn Sa'ida. Uh, so let's talk about Uwaym radiallahu ta'ala anhu now. The main person we'll talk about is Sa'id. But let's talk about Uwaym ibn Sa'ida. So we said Kulthum is paired off with the Prophet himself. Uwaym ibn Sa'ida is the brother of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. Think about that. You know, Umar coming to stay at your house, right? So you got to be the guy that's going to be the host of Umar. And he was his, his brother throughout. So this is actually the brother of Umar ibn Khattab to the point that when Umar says, my brother from the Ansar, he's talking about Uwaym. Okay? Because he was his akh. He was akhi min al-Ansar. That was his brother from the Ansar, is this man named Uwaym ibn Sa'idah. So 
he's the one that gets to host Umar عنه, in his house and gets paired off with Umar al-Khattab and you can start to see how personality types match up. What is Uwaym's reputation? عنه, he is the man who Allah is talking about primarily that there are men amongst them and here rijal does not mean males only it means men and women believing men and believing women but in it are men that love to purify themselves most of the sahaba they said this was revealed about Uwaym a man who loved to purify himself okay and he is the brother of Umar al-Khattab and the story of how he is described. So next time you hear that verse being recited in Surah At-Tawbah, this is who you're... I want, I want this to first come to your mind. The Prophet ﷺ went to Quba after this verse was revealed. And he said to the people of Quba, he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى قَدْ أَحْسَنَ عَلَيْكُمُ الثَّنَاءِ فِي الطُّهُورِ فِي قِسَّةِ مَسْجِدِكُمْ Prophet said, Allah has truly uh, beautified his praise of you when he tells the story of your masjid. Like even Rasulullah is receiving the Quran, and the Prophet knows, how beautiful, what a description. In it are people that love to purify themselves. So he comes to the people of Quba and he says, What a beautiful praise. Why is it that you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Revealed that about you. So Uwaym radiallahu anhu said, Wallahi ya Rasulullah, we do not know except that our neighbors from the Jews used to wash themselves for prayer and we started to wash ourselves as well even before Islam came. Yuhibbuna yatataharu. They already loved the concept of wudu. So when wudu came, it was natural for them <laughs> to take that on. And Uwaym was someone who used to love to do wudu. Literally, yatataharu, in the Arabic language, by the way, yatataharu, the presence of the letter ta, as opposed to yatataharu. Yatataharu speaks to al-zahir, speaks to the external. Yatataharu speaks to the internal. And that's why, wallahu yuhibbu al-mutahhirin, not al-mutatahhirin. Allah loves those who purify themselves internally. And Allah loves those who purify themselves externally. So Allah literally was praising their wudu, first and foremost. That these are people that love their wudu. They do their wudu properly. And this was referring to this man, Uwain ibn Sa'id radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And Allah loves those who purify themselves internally. Who, who don't just take the najasa on the outside, the impurities of the outside. But they also work on purifying, purifying themselves inside. Removing the filth on the inside. The hatred, the envy, the gossip, the slander. They care that much more about that, right? They don't just, you know, there are some people that care so much about the external and they don't care anything about the internal. So Allah is saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the people who purify themselves on the inside as well. And the Prophet said, and the hadith is from Jabir ibn, ibn Abdullah. Jabir radiallahu anhu says, Sami'tu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul, Ni'mal abdu warrajulu salihu min ahli al-jannah Uwain ibn Sa'idah. What a great man and a man from Jannah. This man is Uwain ibn Sa'idah. So if one of you names your sons Uwain, you have a story, inshaAllah ta'ala. 
And when he passed away, he's the brother of Umar ibn Khattab anhu. And this is beautiful. When he passed away, Umar ibn Khattab anhu stood over his grave and he said, Wallahi ma ahadun ala wajhi al-ard yastati'u an yaqool ana ahsan min sahibi had al-qabr. He said, there's not a man on the face of the earth who can say today that I'm better than the person who occupies this grave. And he says, Wallahi ma nusibat rayatun bin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam illa wa tahta ghilliha uwain. Umar radiallahu anhu was saying, I never saw the Prophet a banner raised up for the Prophet except that Uwain was standing under it. You see, subhanAllah, some of these companions were so quiet, they didn't involve themselves too much in, in community affairs, but they just exerted themselves so purely. And look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immortalizes them through this ayah. And we, we've been reading this ayah about Masjid Quba and the people of Quba this whole time, and it's talking about primarily this man Uwain radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevates him in that way. So this is Kulthum al-Hadam and Uwain. Now the last person, uh, and this is the one subhanAllah who, who truly has a story similar to Jabir and a very touching story, is Sa'ad ibn Khaythama. Sa'ad ibn Khaythama radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu ibn Khaythama was a young man who was actually from that first batch in Mecca that met the Prophet So he was the representative of this tribe, Banu Amr ibn Auf, even though he was young, because he was the only person from the tribe that was there to pledge with the Prophet He was there in the first bay'ah with the Prophet the first pledge with the Prophet in Aqaba. And Sa'id ibn Khaythama, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, as we said, Bayt al-Uzzab, uh, the, the, the house of singles, all the young people came and stayed at his place. But his brother from the Muhajireen was Abu Salama radiallahu anhu. So again, Kuthum al-Hadam, the Prophet Uwain received Umar bin Khattab, and uh, Sa'ad ibn Khaythama received Abu Salama radiallahu anhu, who is the first husband of Um Salama uh, radiallahu ta'ala anha. So he is his brother uh, from the Muhajireen. And while he was single when the Prophet first moved uh, to Medina, he got married shortly after the Hijrah. And he married uh, a woman by the name of Habiba bint Abi Amir al-Rahib, who is the sister of Hanzala radiallahu anhu ibn Abi Amr. Now, uh, Abu Amr al-Rahib, Abu Amr, this is not you by the way, because mashallah, we love to have you here. This is another Abu Amr. This is Abu Amr al-Rahib. Abu Amr al-Rahib was not a very good man, <laughs> okay? So very distant from our Abu Amr. We love our Abu Amr. Abu Amr al-Rahib is the one who built Masjid Dirar. You know how when Quba was built, the hypocrite said, let's build another Masjid right next to Quba. We don't like all this, uh, we don't like all this attention. So let's build another Masjid. And it was Masjid Dirar, the Masjid of Harm, right? So the idea was that let's split up the community. So they went and they built another masjid, Masjid uh, Dirar. So Abu, Abu Amr al-Rahib, subhanAllah, his children, just like Abdullah ibn, ibn Ubayd ibn Salul, the chief of the hypocrites, just like his children, mashallah, became some of the best companions. So Sa'ad actually married Habiba, his daughter. Uh, Habiba bint Abi Amr al-Rahib, the sister of Hanbala, radiallahu anhu, who was washed by the angels, Ghasir al-Mala'ika. And... Uh, if you look at the, the uh, picture of Masjid Quba, can you put up the aerial view of Quba? 
So this is Quba, the aerial view. Uh, the house of Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu is the one on the right, the western, uh, the right of this picture as in, the, the western minaret of the masjid. So if you go to the next picture, which is just the minara. So this is actually right under this minaret is where the house of Sa'ad ibn Khaytham radiallahu ta'ala anhu was. So next time you go to Medina, inshallah ta'ala, you go to Masjid Quba, look for that minaret. All right, let's go back to the lecture and timestamp it, inshallah ta'ala, uh, so that you can uh, see it. So this is the young man who is hosting the youth, and these youth cling to the Prophet in such a beautiful way. And the Prophet would spend his days with them. They got to know him, alayhi salatu from the very beginning. And immediately the Prophet establishes himself as an accessible leader to all of the segments of the community. SubhanAllah, think about how beautiful this is. This is the first two weeks. The first two weeks in Medina. The Prophet spends the day with the youth, spends the evening with the elders. Spends the day with the youth, spends the evening with the elders to demonstrate that importance. And Sa'id ibn Khaytham radiallahu anhu loved the Prophet and was the host of the Prophet in Quba during those days. So, subhanAllah, these are the two homes. Now, what's the touching story here that is specific to Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala Sa'ad's father also became Muslim. Khaythana became Muslim as well. So remember the conversation between Jabir and his father, Abdullah? Think about the very real parent-to-children conversations that existed at the time. Abdullah did not let Jabir his son, go to the battles of Badr and Uhud. He said, you've got to stay home and take care of the family. This was the nature of the conversation that they had to have. Hanzala, I'm sorry, Khaythama uh, and Sa'ad, when the battle of Badr came, father and son, the father comes to the son. Khaythama comes to Sa'ad, and he says to him, إِنَّهُ لَا بُدَّ لِأَحَدِنَا مِنْ أَنْ يُقِيمَ That look, one of us has to stay back while the other one goes to fight in Badr. So Khaytham is saying to his son Sa'ad, look, prefer me, let me be the one to go out and fight alongside the Prophet in Badr. You stay back with your family. You stay back with your family. And listen to the answer of Sa'ad ibn Khaytham radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He said to him, لَوْ كَانَ غَيْرَ الْجَنَّةِ لَآثَرْتُكَ he said, listen, if the stakes of this conversation was not Jannah, then I would have preferred you. But he said, this is Jannah we're talking about? To go out in Badr and be with the Prophet this is Jannah. So he said, I'm sorry, Dad, we have to find out another way. So what's the solution? What's the compromise? They casted lots. So it's like, think about you flip a coin. Which one's going to go to Badr? Which one's going to stay back? SubhanAllah, look at the spirit of the Ansar. Look at the spirit of these people. Like, we're going to go serve the Prophet ﷺ in this battle, and we have to cast lots for the opportunity to go be with the Messenger ﷺ. So they cast lots, and Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the young man, was the one who was chosen. So Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu went out in Badr, and his father, Khaythama, stayed behind. And subhanAllah, one of the first people to be killed in Badr and one of the only Muslims to be killed in Badr was Sa'ad ibn Khaytham radiallahu anhu. So the two hosts of the Prophet both Khurthum and Sa'ad both died early. 
Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu was one of the few shuhada of Badr because remember they won Badr, the Muslims won the battle of Badr so they had very few shuhada and he was martyred radiallahu ta'ala anhu by Amr ibn Abdi Wud uh, who was like a, a villain from Quraysh that Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu would, would, uh, would later on uh, kill in battle so Sa'ad radiallahu anhu was martyred in Badr and subhanAllah you think about this and they say you know the best people that lived amongst the Prophet were the veterans of Badr. The Prophet used to always praise the veterans of Badr. Imagine being someone who took bay'ah to the bay'ah with the Prophet, the pledge with the Prophet, someone who hosted the Prophet, someone who would be considered a veteran of Badr and a shaheed of Badr as well. Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu was martyred. And when uh, they were coming back from Badr, because they knew that they won Badr, the news had reached them, proceeded to Medina, that the Muslims won the Battle of Badr, Khaythama radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Ibn al-Harith was waiting in Quba for his son. And so when they came back to Quba, he went through the ranks and he was saying, where is Sa'ad, where is Sa'ad, where is Sa'ad? He was looking for his son and they told him that Sa'ad radiallahu anhu was martyred. And this was so painful to him because he kept, he remembered the conversation. He remembered the conversation right before Badr, subhanAllah, just like you have the conversation between Jabir and his father, he and his son. And he said, if it wasn't for Jannah, la'athartuka. I choose you, O oh my father, but look, it's Jannah that we're talking about, so let's cast lots. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him a shahada, uh, granted him martyrdom with the Prophet sallallahu and granted him that place in al-Jannah. And then look what happens. Khaythama radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the father of Sa'id radiallahu anhu said, that if I have another chance to be with the Prophet then Rasulullah will see the same spirit of Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala And guess what? Khaythama is one of the shuhada of Uhud. So Uhud comes, Khaythama radiallahu anhu was one of those who did not flee from the battle of Uhud, one of the Ansar who stayed put with the Prophet even when it was complete chaos. And Khaythama radiallahu anhu was martyred in Uhud. You're not, there is literally no other father and son, no other parent-child combination where you have a shaheed in Badr and a shaheed in Uhud. And what do we know about the shuhada of Uhud in Badr? That they were reunited. So imagine Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu receiving his father, Khaythama, from the souls of the believers, the best people that were praised. And the scholars say, and, and I'll, I'll end with this because it's very powerful, they say, subhanAllah, father and son are encompassed within two ayahs. How so? When Allah says, Allah praises the people that used to love to purify themselves. Sa'ad is included in that. Sa'ad ibn Khaytham is included in that. And then his father is included in the verse, That from the believers are those who were truthful to the covenant they took with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ قَضَى نَحْبَ وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَنْتَظِرْ وَمَا بَدَّلُوا تَبْدِيلًا Some of them were able to fulfill their promise to God right away Some of them were delayed but they never changed in their resolve So subhanAllah the son is encompassed in one ayah The father is encompassed in another ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is praising people And these people that Allah is talking about مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ رِجَالٌ صَدَقُوا Are the people who missed Badr and said if Allah gives us another chance we'll show how we love our Prophet how we will not abandon our Messenger and they were the shuhada of Uhud who longed to be in Badr with the Prophet and you know, you can only imagine Sa'ad receiving his father 
uh, amongst the realm of believing souls and them celebrating together as shuhada. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept them and accept us and count us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. So again, this is sort of the, the landscape of Quba. Now the Prophet makes his way to Medina and the central home is the home of the Prophet and Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha who inshallah ta'ala we will start with uh, next week in her seerah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to uh, be joined with the blessed family and companions of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Allahumma ameen. So what are the three companions' names, just quickly? Sa'ad ibn Khaythama, Kulthum ibn al-Hadam, Uwaym ibn Sa'ida. The first Muslim that you're ever going to know named Uwaym is going to be born in Valley Ranch, right? It's going to happen, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. Inshallah ta'ala, take a few questions uh, since we finished a little bit earlier, inshallah ta'ala. Any questions about the content today? Yeah. Can I show you the slide of what? Of Quba? Oh, the masjid itself or the, the minaret? The aerial view of the masjid? Can you, can you put up the aerial view of the masjid once again? Quba? I don't control the land. There you go. So I can't see it from here, but it's going to be, actually, it's the furthest right. See that minaret? The furthest right. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah, so, فِيهِ رِجَالٌ يُحِبُّونَ يَتَطَحَّرُوا So in the, uh, many of the Mufassireen, they point out to uh, that, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says يَتَطَهَّرُوا um, The concept of external purification is when the letter ta is added يَتَطَهَّرُوا speaks to external الظاهر purification of the ظاهر purification of the external يَتَطَهَّرُوا speaks to the internal so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says يُحِبُّونَ يَتَطَهَّرُوا Allah was praising literally the way they would wash themselves. They would, they would do their wudu' with, with extra care. They were diligent with their wudu'. And Allah loves المطهرين, people who purify themselves on the inside because that's more encompassing in this regard. Alright, last question? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, yeah. Yeah. Would you mention that? Does that refer to the maqam or the position of being that high? So it's very interesting because uh, this is the virtue. Sa'ad radiallahu anhu is obviously not a. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas is. is his, an authentic narration from him in this regard holds a lot of weight. Um, this is the only narration where you talk about the virtue of Quba juxtaposed with Al-Aqsa, right? Um, and the way to take it is to pray in both, inshallah. Because <laughs> it's just like, you know, if someone, if someone was just doing the math, they'd say, well, I'll just stay in Mecca. I won't go to Medina because a salah in, in, in Mecca is more valuable than a salah in Medina. But we go to Medina. And we go to uh, Quba, and uh, they, they all hold special significance in this regard. Al-Aqsa being the first Qibla, 
uh, and so many more. And the fact that it's occupied gives it even more of a, uh, a reason for us to, to stay connected to it. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to pray in all four of them. I mean, but I'll kind of break y'all's heart. If you go to a uh, Umrah group and they say, let's go to Masjid Qiblatayn, there's no virtue to praying in Qiblatayn, but it's cool history, so you can connect it back to the class, inshallah. <laughs> but if you hear some like strange things about it, there's no authentic narration about praying in Masjid Qiblatayn. Sometimes it's crowded and it's really not worth it, especially in the Hajj time, uh, to try to go to Al Qiblatayn. All right, any other questions? Jazakumullah khair. Yeah. So Masjid Nabawi is central to the city of Medina. Quba's on the outskirts. And remember that this was blessed land that was chosen and it belonged to Banu Najjar, the maternal relatives, and then the specific places were divinely chosen from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that to be the place. But the, even the current area of Masjid Nabawi is literally central uh, to what the city of Medina would become. Right now, this is a fun fact for you all, right now the entire city of Medina that was known as Medina at the time of the Prophet is encompassed by the area of the masjid, the white tiles. So everything within those gates, that was the whole city of Medina at the time. <laughs> like Masjid al-Ghamama, if you go and you point to Masjid al-Ghamama, Masjid al-Ghamama was considered on the outskirts of Medina. Uh, and it's, it's literally just a, it's like a quarter mile, half a mile walking from uh, the, the uh, Bab al-Salam. So you go straight to Masjid al-Ghamama. That was where they used to pray Eid. It's considered the outskirts of Medina. So, yeah. So there's no virtue. Good question. So praying Saturday in particular in Quba, nothing in particular. Uh, the the Sunnah is to make wudu and go. It was just the, the habit of the Prophet ﷺ to go out there on Saturdays. But there's no particular virtue attached to. Saturday, and there are other days the Prophet ﷺ went. But very good, good observation. I'll see you all next week, inshallah ta'ala, when we cover Aisha radiallahu ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum.